0: hello and welcome to the mojo podcast part of mike's open journal here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related includes illness wellness stigma and support and importantly some of your very own personal stories i want to thank you for being part of mike's open journal as guests as visitors as speakers as listeners welcome to the world of mental health and importantly we're all in this together so remember you're not alone out there these are not real people they do have struggles and it starts to get on my nerves i just shut down
1: so many people suffer from mental illness she was not a great match for me and that's okay
0: a lot of people don't understand the depth the situation, so they can't appreciate Yeah, Dad came upstairs, and then I heard them saying like, it's happened, and I was like, what's happened?
1: It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking.
0: I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of
1: stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said
0: anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of
1: started from there. And then she was like, Can you tell me a bit about what's going on. So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most.
0: I mean, this 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 shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting.
1: So many people think they're alone and then you hear other people talk about it and they think oh that's you know that's so brave or I could relate to that Um, and
0: then they want to talk about it hello and welcome to the mojo podcast and to episode 116 I'm delighted to have you guys back and part of the podcast and listening in again Thank you so much for being involved. It's it's really awesome to know that you guys are coming back and continuing to listen to the podcast. I wonder what you thought about the new intro. What do you think? Do you like it? Hope so. Um, I really think it's in keeping with the, the new type of vibe that I'm trying to create on the podcast. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys like it. Um, let me know. As always, you can get in contact with me at mikesopenjournal.com or on the social media as well, Mike underscore Douglas underscore. This week, I... I'm going to be talking to you guys a little bit, um, but predominantly uh, it's going to be another new guest and hearing a little bit about their story and experiences. Uh, and that person this week is Dr. Sherry Jacobson from Harley Therapy. So um, some of you guys would have noticed uh, through social media posts that a few weeks back, uh, back in the week of World Mental Health Day, I attended an event in London, which was the launch of of the kind of the online service for Harley therapy where they are looking at their kind of service provision through website uh and mobile device apps uh and it was really cool to hear a little bit about that service and how that's being put together um and how some of the kind of the pilots gone as well I I also just really liked being in a room where um while it wasn't a formal event it was a very very lovely uh, venue and it felt kind of posh and smart and nice um, just to hear everyone talking so casually about mental health and such a kind of an informed but informal way was was lovely uh to hear not just dr sherry but june sa and some other really awesome campaigners and practitioners uh talk openly about illness wellness um, the services that they've used whether that experience has been positive or negative some of the tools and then obviously particularly therapy and counselling as well so it was a great event a couple of weeks ago and as I say you can kind of see some of the social media posts if you scroll back through Um, but today's really about hearing more um, from Dr Sherry from kind of her experience of mental health what's led her to um, being in the position that she is in now but also hearing the kind of the development of the service at Harley therapy and I think for me I have seen over the last year or so a growth in online therapy and counselling particularly like apps and websites become available and that's absolutely amazing because I know some people have um, certain struggles or difficulties or um, symptoms that mean that actually going out and accessing a service isn't possible for them Um, And those of us that don't necessarily have some of those struggles still recognise that actually we we are sometimes waiting quite a long time for those face-to-face services. Um, But I think having a a service provider like Harley Therapy really provides um, kind of added legitimacy to this type of service, knowing that someone coming in with such an excellent track record of counselling, of therapy, of interacting with those people that need some support... Um, is entering into the fray so to speak uh, is really really good and really cool to see um, and I'm really interested to hear more about um, what they're doing in the future but for today um, like I said it was awesome to sit down and chat to Sherry hear a bit more about her story her experiences and also about Harley therapy as well hopefully you guys enjoy listening into our chat As always, the links are at the end of the episode, but also in the description as well. So have a look out for those. If you would like to come onto the podcast in future, you can get in contact again at mikesopenjournal.com or have um, have a look at social media, send me a message and let me know that you might be interested. And I'm sure we can have a conversation at some stage as well. But today, obviously, I want to say thank you for tuning in again to the podcast. And I'm going to drop you, oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Got all the way through. I won't say that was one take because it really wasn't. Um, but I'm pretty much there now. So I'm going to drop you straight into our conversation. Uh, and I hope you enjoy it. But uh, us kind of to start off with, um, like, we're actually in the very fortunate, or I'm in the fortunate um, situation of usually when I sit down to, to talk with people on the podcast I haven't actually met them before um (laughs) the people that I've spoken to I've I've met so many of them after speaking to them but um it's a little bit strange to sit down and have a chat with you and have already had a couple of little short conversations a couple of weeks ago when we met and um I kind of feel like oh I know a little bit already so I'm going to pretend like I know nothing yeah um to ask ask some nice open questions um But I obviously, like I said, had the fortunate opportunity to come along to the Highly Therapy event, last, it's not last week now, is it? It's a couple of weeks ago. couple uh, of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, time goes so quickly uh, for, <laughs> for World Mental Health Day, and um, it was really interesting for me just to get a bit of an intro, so um, for everyone else, I don't know if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, Sherry, and a bit about um, how we've got to where we are today. Sounds good, yes. Well, um, yeah, so I trained as a therapist in 1999.
1: This was after a stint of uh, in, in investment banking, which was very unsatisfactory to me. Um, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do after university. I knew that um, banking and finance world wasn't for me. I uh, took a course in social anthropology and one of the modules was in interpersonal psychiatry and therapy and that really uh, sung to me and I thought that I'm very interested in, in learning more about the, the, the application of, of um, treatment to, to psychological difficulties. So I um, I trained uh, for 10 years actually a number of different approaches different degrees Um, didn't feel quite confident enough to be let loose on, um, on, on people as a, as a as a practitioner, but of course many people are after mm-hmm. you know, a year or two of study. Um, having low self-esteem, and I'm happy to talk about that later on, I felt I needed to bolster myself with a lot more degrees under my belt before I felt, uh, and, and my own personal therapy as well, before I felt in a position to be able to, um, to be supporting others. Um, finally, when I was ready to do that after mm, it was about seven years of volunteer work um, in placements such as MIND, MENCAP, I did a, a stint of work at an alcohol advice center and a women's center, I then um, set up Harley Therapy, which was um, intended to be a, a group practice but started off as a, a single practitioner and um, at Regent's College where I studied. That was my PhD in psychotherapy and counselling. I was working at the student counselling centre there. Um, I rented a room and started seeing clients privately. Um, very satisfying, just as, as similarly as a as volunteer work, I knew that I found the profession that I wanted to spend a lifetime in. Um, but I quickly found that my diary was full. Um, I advertised a position for an associate, a colleague to join me um discovered that two were better than you know two people can help more 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 individuals than than just one um which was a great feeling um her diary soon filled up and i brought on a third second colleague and third colleague and it grew very organically in in that way it took about um, 12 years in total um to where we are today 45 practitioners and we are now london's leading psychotherapy clinic um, where we, we are based in six locations across central London. Um, we've done about a quarter of a million of therapy sessions over that time, and I'm extremely proud of the quality of the therapist's work. They are really dedicated, very warm, compassionate practitioners. I've, I've worked with them for the long run, so we don't have a high turnover of therapists at all. We've yeah. got a lovely, dedicated team of administrators and backup support as well. Um, but it, it had occurred to me for many years that our offering was very restricted, both geographically and financially, um, and thinking, how could we offer therapy to more people um, at a more affordable rate, and those who can't reach London. And this was kind of boggling me for for, for quite some time. As we were building a, an app for the in-house practitioners, it occurred to me that maybe technology was the answer, and maybe a platform where we could list therapists across the UK um, who worked from their own premises, and therefore wouldn't we wouldn't be incurring the high rents that we do in London offices? That hmm. that might actually be 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 one of the ways that we can go about this this vision of making therapy very very accessible. Um, so, with a lot of planning and a lot of fantastic brains giving giving their kind input, um, we created HarleyTherapy.com um which is in you know I don't know if this cheapens it or 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 elevates it, but I liken it to Airbnb for for therapy. Mm. So it's it's a listing um, platform, but it's also very highly curated so that all the therapists on the platform are monitored, they're screened, um, and they're they're ranked um in terms of uh the, the quality of service that, that that they offer. So we've been running for a year now. Um we also finally launched officially because the platform is fully fledged with the ability to take bookings for couples uh children adolescents and and families and and groups as well so um a year on we're kind of in the fully fledged state and uh we're growing nicely um on the on the on the sort of client side our numbers are are more or less doubling every month we've got about 220 therapists listed on the platform currently um and uh it's it's looking like it's it's actually something you know to kind of rival the quality of of the in-house therapists
0: really it's really interesting because i think i i definitely seen in the last year or so um that growth in um, kind of online therapy accessibility and especially through apps and being able to message people and get on board with that but um, just from the stuff that I've seen I've kind of seen that as um, kind of businesses that have been set up and they are purely the online therapy they don't have the backup of that um, the knowledge or the awareness or the experience of having the one-to-one therapy to sort of back that up or be their base as well so is that something that you feel is a real benefit or has helped in any way when you've set up the the kind of the dot com side?
1: I've always been a proponent of the human connection. There's nothing like it. You know, we are social creatures. We're designed to, to be in front of others and actually in very small communities and, and have smaller circles of, of contacts. So what's happened is that we are more hyper-connected to, to one another, but on a very surface level and through digital medium. Now, that definitely brings advantages because we can extend the reach and um, it's, it's quicker to reach out to people and we can connect with more people. Um, and, and that's what a lot of the sort of the therapy products I think are riding on, which is that you can quickly access a therapist around the world, either via text message or email or, or on demand. Um, and increasingly, a number of chat bots or sort of therapy bots have been bandied around as, as well. And I'm sure they will get more refined and more sophisticated. But I don't think that they are a match to that one to one uh, human quality, especially on a face-to-face basis, if possible. You know, on in many many instances, geographical limits mean that mm. um, it is better for someone to have online therapy than nothing. Um, but we are finding that about 50% of all clients are booking the face-to-face option, so they will go to the therapists' uh, clinics. And um, this includes 18 to 24 year olds, which I was quite surprised oh, wow. to learn and very encouraged mm. to, to learn as well. Um, so whilst I think we will continue to see a proliferation of digital services, th- uh, therapy sort of treatment, um, which is you know, either app based or messaging mm. um, or, or email, I, I see that there will be a growing appetite for that interpersonal connection.
0: I think it's um, that's really interesting, like you say, especially with the younger people. Because I would, oh, I guess it's, I'm making an assumption that, like you, I think that the face to face is. I don't want to say better because it's not. It isn't better for everyone, but um, I I have seen greater rewards from that one to one contact um, and being face to face, but i have spoken to people that just they wouldn't want to or wouldn't be able to engage in that and like you say especially being in london while it is hugely accessible for many people the the busyness and the hustle and bustle um potentially is part of why some people are struggling uh so to see the opportunity for them to interact and engage with a a therapy service online i think is really good but uh I don't know. Do you know whether they're kind of they're interacting with that online for a few sessions before they go and see face to face, or is that what they're seeking out first?
1: Um, That's what they're usually seeking out first. So um, it is more popular in in the first instance. But there is no doubt that the the digital sort of interaction, either online or or phone, let's Mm. say, where you where you don't see um, uh, where you don't see. have a a visual representation of your therapist or even text text message therapy does suit some people because of the anonymity, Mm. um, them wanting to stay a little bit more, um, behind the scenes. They feel more comfortable in opening up, um, to someone who's not necessarily got a gaze on them. Um, and I think there's also, um, there have been some articles written about, um, people preferring to speak to chatbots where there isn't even a person behind it that they feel much more comfortable um opening up uh and 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 talking about things that they might perceive as as shameful Hmm. i personally think that that's something that is is material for therapy and that is definitely something can that can be worked through but in the first instance especially for youngsters who um, are, are experiencing difficulties and do need the assistance, I think anything is better than no support yeah. at all. Yeah. And if it does mean that they're encouraged to reach out because it's an anonymous format, then then then, then so be it. Um, but what, why I'm such a proponent of the kind of personal connection is we're, we're hardwired for it, and we don't have the same forms of in-depth support that we used to in in bygone days. And what I'm thinking of is tribal leaders, elders, um, religious figures, perhaps someone of of importance in the family, like a a, 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 a sort of uh, grand paternal or maternal figure who would be there offering the time, offering the space, a bit of impartiality, um, who'd really kind of was able to sort of listen and be there it just feels that we don't have as much time for one another and we are suffering the consequences from from that lack of uh, lack of depth and that's where i feel professional support of various kinds is going to become increasingly important call it therapy call it coaching call it mentoring um you know teaching i think that sort of exchange of, of human um support is going to become increasingly important over
0: time I think um, I think you're right. I think that growth in, I guess, roles that wouldn't necessarily be considered as therapy or, or, or counselling, um, and roles like uh, a life coach and people like that. I think I see more um, more diversity in in those kind of people and um, the way that they approach the public, and it's not just about uh developing your career or your physical health and there's a lot more to do with um how mindful you are about your certain activities your work-life balance and um i think there is a growth in in that awareness and recognizing that anyone can have that conversation but also that despite that most people don't and uh that's the side i think that we hope or I hope that people kind of kickstart when they in, enter into therapy is they start to get used to having that conversation with someone and talking quite openly about some of the stuff that they maybe struggle with um, and that when, whenever that interaction with the therapist or the counsellor is finished that they've got that experience, that knowledge of how to manage that conversation and they can start to have that maybe with someone that is in their life on a regular basis
1: that's it. That's that's precisely it. It's the habit. It's it's the practice, which can then become a habit. Actually, if, if we, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about my, my personal story, but I was very, very quiet as a child, almost to the point of a muteness, believe it or not. When I entered therapy in 17, at seventeen, primarily because of anxiety issues, uh, loneliness, isolation, and not feeling good within myself, it was suggested to me that I might want to consider going to see a therapist at university. It started a the, the process of of speaking and hearing my sort of thoughts inside, being able to vocalize it and get them out in the safety of another person's ear. And that was quite magical. I, I didn't experience it as magic at the time, mm. but it did lead to ultimately transformation and the fact that I could keep it going and have someone. And I have been in therapy since since 17. Mm. I wouldn't say that it was necessarily critical to for me to have at certain junctures, but it's always been extremely valuable for me in the sense that if I haven't needed the support because I've been going through a difficulty, then it's given me the space to work on self-development issues. Um, and that having that, being able to vocalize things and being able to sort of be in touch with your own internal world is, is a great gift and a great sort of opportunity to, it's a great avenue to get that, that practiced and for it to become sort of just part of your way of of, of of being which can extend to how you are with other people it's a real i think it's it's really nice to be um to be conversant with other people to let them know what you're going through as it's occurring i don't think it's self-centered as often some people you know ask me when i give talks they said isn't this all very selfish stuff you're talking about yourself in therapy and you're you know you're going on about your own issues and what about other people well, I feel, don't know what you think, Mike, but it starts from within. You need an important base within yourself in order to then be able to give back to other people. And it's only by kind of being able to verbalize what you're going through to be able to untangle it and, and work through it um, that you can stand from a, a more solid base, I feel.
0: Mm. And I think there's so much um, with the uh, that side of if 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 it was to do with physical health everyone would be um, I'm sure they'd be way behind kind of supporting that person helping them to recovery and wanting them to be able to fulfill their role in whatever their their kind of personal professional life is and people will be behind that but because it's a a mental health issue because it's um, not a visible issue it is treated in a very different way and it is treated that it's not something for us as a community or a friendship group or Co-workers to address. Actually, that's for you to go away and deal with on your own in the corner, and then you come back when you're ready. And it's such a different kind of approach that that is taken from that. And I found, I found kind of the the way that you and that many of the other people spoke um, a couple of weeks ago was very much not about um, therapy and counselling. Is for someone at crisis point. It is, as you just said, it's it's for people to kind of get used to learning some tools and putting those in place. Um, when there's a smaller issue or problem or symptom that they've noticed and coming forward with that before it gets to a crisis point or or, or it's really affecting your life and I wondered if there was a reason why or how you got to to be so um, kind of forward thinking with um, not just necessarily therapy but actually how we approach mental health and how we approach those conversations and if that ties into your own experience.
1: I think it's actually a, a cultural issue and I was very fortunate to grow up in a family which were very open-minded we had we were friends with psychologists um reading self-help books from my 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 parents were that that generation where they sought help whenever they needed it and both of them had their own uh, mental health issues that they were very open about seeking treatment for and they still have that base of support now even though they they're they're very much over the the more difficult um, parts of parts of sort of in terms of psychological issues, I think that they've, they're, they're managing quite well, but they still work on themselves um, to to this day. So being part of a culture, which is very accepting, I think helped me uh, embrace it. Um, And I think that's kind of what I'm trying to achieve on a, on a wider level by kind of making therapy very relatable and very mainstream, um, almost as if you you know you go to the dentist for for a checkup once a year. Mm. Um, and then you know it, it might emerge that you've got some cavities or you need a root canal. And so you go for deeper work. Some people you know can go and get regular cleaning visits from from a, from a dentist and, and maintain good oral hygiene. And I think you know the, the mind is infinitely more complex than a than a set of teeth, and yet we don't go for preemptive uh, checks annually. Um, we just kind of wait till things get difficult, and then if we can muster the muster the. <laughs> The, the energy to go seek for help, then we do it. But it's at a point often when we don't have the energy because we're suffering from something and it's painful and it's difficult enough mm. to then try and find where we're going to go for the support. So I think having something lined up even before we need it can actually be very advantageous. And that's one of the things I'm I'm, I'm actively working on.
0: And it's interesting because I think from my experience of, of seeking support, um with mental health has been that actually a lot of the kind of the coping strategies and the skills and the tools that you're you're kind of directed towards or given um aren't about dealing with that crisis situation they're about trying to improve how you're managing yourself day to day and um over a longer period so actually those things are really useful and they're kind of directed at um where most people are and it isn't necessarily about that crisis point um so it really does fit in with like you say that idea of having a checkup and checking in and like you said if you go to the dentist and they say okay there's not really you're pretty good but actually I swear every time I go it's always you could do with flossing a little bit (laughs) and it's it's that sort of side of maybe yeah you're okay but have you thought about trying some mindfulness or doing some sort of relaxation activities once a week or something like that and adding that into people's routine or their toolbox of kind of things that they can do. That's absolutely right. And it's about maintaining
1: good practices. It's not just a, you know, you again, another analogy is like sort of going to the gym. You just don't go to the gym and you, you, pump some weights and then you you've got muscles that stay there you've got to maintain it you've got to work on it and the same thing with our, our our mental health we've got to do self check-ins we've got to um gauge where we're at and sort of calibrate our our emotional levels how you know how are we how are we faring are we bearing too much um emotional stress what are we going to do about it mm. um as well as other factors are we exercising are we are we sleeping enough are we eating? are we eating well so i think it's kind of like a a general kind of like well-being um well well being check in but it's 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 an ongoing ongoing process it's it's hard work mm. um but it is definitely worth definitely worthy the, worth worth the investment i think there's there's nothing better than having a like a, being physically and, and mentally um in in good shape to the best of our ability because um you know, it, it gives us such a springboard to do to do you know to do so much more. And of course, it's realizing what our potential is for ourselves, right? So if if we if we have something like a baseline, and I'll, I'll take myself as an example, I know that I'm an anxious person. I know that my my tendency to low self-esteem is one of my sort of tendencies, my proclivities. It's just something that I have. It's not going to be cured. It's not going to be overcome. Full stop. It's something that I'm going to actively and continuously have to work on mm. and manage each situation to get the best out of myself. I'm not going to be someone who is naturally uh, comfortable in their own skin or, or confident. I will. I'm more so than ever before but i can't and i won't compare myself to someone else and say that i should be like that i think self-compassion is a really big sort of key key part of that Mm. and kind of just realizing that you you know you you want to be the best version of yourself for you
0: and do you think kind of over time you've sort of mentioned a little bit about your own experience but do you feel like there's been that growth as you've gone through and learned and developed so much that's there now to support other people's mental health. Um, yes. Has, has that kind of matched with, with your journey, or has do you feel like you got to a certain stage before you were, were kind of looking at supporting other people when you were still struggling yourself?
1: I think I did the bulk of the work sort of between 17 and 22. Um, I think that's when sort of the most sort of work on anxiety and low self-esteem was kind of was, was, was going on. And the rest of it kind of like maintenance and top up. So what I do regularly is I'm, I'm in weekly therapy. I also go to a a group, um, group therapy as well. And I try and do retreats. So I've been on a, some, um, a residential retreat called the Hoffman process, um, which I found extremely, extremely beneficial. That was a seven day program, um, self-development workshop. And I, I read a lot as well. So between that, um, um, being in supervision, I feel like I, um, I've, I've done a, a lot of the work on myself, but I don't feel it's, it's a done deal. I feel there's always more to learn. And I absolutely feel that it's, it's given me so much more, uh, resources and resilience than, than without. And I think it's, it's allowed me to, have the, the, the stamina and the self-belief to, to build a business, to, 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 co- to assemble a wonderful group of people who are doing great work and collectively are really making a difference. And I, I really would credit that to, to, to a lot of my therapists over over the years, and a lot of the people who've, who've supported me, I also have a business mentor and a set of advisors as well, and they are kind of my my equivalent of, of therapists as well for 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 different different areas. They do support me um, on an emotional level as as well as on a on a work level.
0: I suppose it's recognizing um the different roles that people play in your support network, and I guess from your profession you will know. A lot about that, and it's it's recognizing the different people that we have in our lives that we maybe feel prepared to to share certain things with certain people, and it's it's recognizing and knowing who those people are, and feeling like we we can talk to people because I think had a conversation with someone the other day, and I said I don't, it's it's something I very much believe, but I still struggle with it myself sometimes. Is that I do think we we should be able to tell um, everything to anyone um but recognize that we're not we probably won't do that um and there are um obviously situations where I felt I can't can't or I don't want to share certain things with certain people and I think it's for me it's really important that someone feels that it's their conscious decision not to share something because they don't want to and not because they can't um and it's getting getting people to recognise. actually, yeah, you, you can talk about that with that person, you can talk about that with that person, and knowing that you do have that strong support network. Um, and I think sometimes people potentially already have it around them, but don't realise it, because it's so easy to get into that negative mindset that we have, and that first conversation can be so difficult, but it's really interesting hearing from you, and sort of saying, oh, I still use these resources, and I recognise there are different people around me, and they might have different roles, but they're people that I can talk to, um do you think it takes time to build up that network or
1: i think more people are are willing and and wanting (laughs) wanting to support one another than than you realize Mm. so i think a lot of people are are surprised that by opening up how how well received it is that they were either expecting to be judged or not have the time but 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 Sort of reaching out and opening up to someone, I think, can often have very profound effects. And ultimately, a lot of people want to help and want to support. Um, so it's just kind of just taking that chance of, of, of opening up and being being mindful that some people may not receive it well. There are, you know, particularly parents um, or certain family members, maybe even a bit more traditional or from certain cultures may may look at kind of difficulty, psychological issues as, as a sign of um, something that is is wrong with them and they don't want to hear it. Um, but I, I would say that that's a little bit increasingly outmoded and that for the majority of people just opening up and being able to share I think is 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 mutually beneficial um so you know to to kind of just try and Mm. and 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 work um just testing testing out the waters
0: and I think it's it's like we said before it's just starting that conversation as well and you can gauge from it where it's going and um, see how that goes but I think it is starting those conversations with different people looking at different resources and tools and obviously we've mentioned the stuff that you've got at Harley where you've got the one to one you've got online there are different tools that people can look at um, and find out what works for them and sometimes that is a, a service where they're interacting with someone but it also might be some of the like the tips or the tools or the mindfulness stuff or you um, Looking at that, and there's so much support out there that is available now, I think often people, when they talk about um, accessibility to certain things, I wonder how much that isn't to do with what's available, but actually how aware people are of the resources and the support that's there. I don't know if you've noticed that kind of over time.
1: I do, and I, 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 there, there, there's no doubt that there are more resources. I think people are aware of it, and perhaps one of the issues is actually filtering. Is that we're we're mm. so bombarded with different uh, options? Okay, so mindfulness apps, journaling resources, blogs we can read, yeah. centers that we can access, and that actually we just don't know which to turn to first and maybe feel a little bit overwhelmed or underconfident in in whether we're making the right choice to to embark on on one at the exclusion of, of another so i think that's often where you know having having that su- professional support That person who's kind of alongside you for the journey um, will be able to signpost you to different resources as well as hear your experience in using it. So, for example, you know, I would I would talk to my therapist about the benefits of journaling. I don't find them mutually exclusive. I would do I would do mindfulness exercise, gratitude exercises, but I may share the reflections with my therapist and try and make sense of those or to to, to learn from them. Hmm. So I think where, wherever possible, I'm a huge advocate of having that person by your side throughout the course of of your your continual healing. Um, if I can put it that way. Mm. And whether that is a close friend, uh, a religious figure, um, a therapist, someone who's really vested in your in your growth, I think is a great, great gift in life.
0: Mm. I think that's true. I think there were a lot of people at the event um, a couple of weeks ago that came together and um, were talking about that idea of that continual journey of that um a different idea of what recovery looks like I guess and actually using those tools and techniques and implementing in those in their life over a long period of time and not seeing it as part of a recovery actually it's part of a kind of a lifestyle change and I was interested to sort of hear how you thought um, the, the event went and what you thought of the different conversations that you had I know it was a very um, busy evening um, but just to kind of round up, start to round us off a little bit um, being that that's how we met. Um, what did you think of the event, and how did it go for you?
1: I was really, uh, I was really very warmed to to see everyone having such open discussions, um, and to be talking about. Actively and, and 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 very kind of openly about the support that they've had. We've had, you know, June Sarpong and I had a conversation, and she was very happy to disclose about the the, the times that she's reached out for support and how therapy has been beneficial to her as well as other of her own tools like prayer and, and meditation. Um, and and I think that was just really it, it created a wonderful kind of sense of containment that it's okay to be human and to go through challenges and difficulties and actually we can support one another. Um, so I was, I was really in- encouraged to, to see that. And, um, particularly the, the angle that we're kind of moving into is to try and promote better mental health in the workplace. And, um, I, I received a number of follow-ups subsequent to, to that event to say how people Um, particularly in in the HR, uh, sort of human resources in firms, um, enjoyed speaking to like-minded individuals and that they would want to see um, more of these kinds of initiatives in their own organizations. Mm -hmm. And I was really encouraged with that. So we're now having active conversations with with people in the workplace about how to do um, annual mental health checkups for all employees um and that is something that i would love to see not only in organizations such as like large corporates particularly distressed out accountancy firms oh. uh, banks <laughs> and law firms but yeah. you know students students universities and and and, and 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 you know starting even from a younger age the education component is really important being able to spot the signals of of um, emotional wellness within yourself and others. I think there's more attention being paid to that, which is great. But I, I would love to see more on the action side of let's check in with you. Let's actively sit down with you for a good 50 minute session. Um, and and just check in and 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 make sure that you're okay and if not then we could continue on with 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 further work but i think that preventative mental health care is is i think going to and i'm i'm really hoping is going to be a growing trend
0: yeah i hope so i think I i definitely agree there's been more emphasis recently in from my experience in workplaces but i've um as an example i've worked previously a couple of years ago um, in a workplace, and we had this, uh, I think it was an annual kind of day where it was put aside, and HR organised this, like, health checkup thing, um, but it was all about, kind of, your physical health, and, or, like, what's your, what's your desk, like, how is your desk set up, like, um, what's your blood pressure, let's do checks on that, and your weight, and your height, and all this sort of stuff, and I, there was no real, effort put towards kind of mental health or well-being or anything like that and um, while i kind of recognize the benefit of that in the health side very much directed at the physical actually i hope that kind of in future or now um, (laughs) we start to see um that move to include well-being and mental health in in those types of days that that larger organizations do put on
1: i think it's happening it's absolutely happening um There are, um, at least a couple of, uh, calendar events in, in the year where, um, I've, I've spoken at organizations where they wanted to do something for, um, I think it was last May and obviously coming up again in May is Mm. mental health aware. I think mental health awareness Awareness week, Week. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and often there's a lot of programs, um, set up in companies more on the education patient side and not only mental health. I mean, they do include, you know, sort of nutrition components. Um, I think breath work as well, which is not directly related to mental health and yet it's interwoven in it. I think it Mm. is quite, quite, quite useful. And I do think companies are bringing more mental health first aiders um, and they are starting to pay attention. There's more reports that have been drafted and more attention paid to the cost of ignoring mental health in terms of absenteeism, presenteeism, which is when workers are there but not really performing at their best because mm. they're preoccupied, and then at worst, you know, suicide, which a couple, you know, there there have been some high publicity cases where um, people have committed suicide in, in, in large organizations because it's kind of gone undetected, um, so I think it's increasing on, on the on the agenda um, and probably and I'm hoping it's going to little be be a little bit like a, a wildfire where eventually all companies will need a mental health policy just in the same way that they've got a health and safety policy and GDPR yes. to comply with. I think the the, the the mental health side will be getting more uh, more attention.
0: Hmm. That's really good. It's good to hear from someone that's interacting with businesses as well that um, you kind of see that happening already. Uh, and the promise for more in the future it's been um, it's been really cool to sit down and talk with you a little bit more and actually hear a little bit more about your story and about everything that's gone into um, the growth of the Harley therapy um, support that's there for people as as well as the um, the kind of the opportunity for more people I think to actually engage um, with that not just therapy in general but with the excellent type of therapy that you're able to provide people and when you mentioned at the beginning the the quarter of a million sessions and stuff over and i'm just thinking how many people that is and actually the, the 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 quality of service that they're getting and um the huge numbers that you start to to affect and i think it's easy sometimes to forget that just like just one of those people is a huge huge change and um the conversation and the interaction and the support they've had with you has quite lightly changed their lives and to hear that there's that number of sessions that have gone on is is just amazing um so i think definitely from my side i want to say a huge thank you to you for everything that you do um within mental health and pushing the different types of support and therapy that you're you're putting out there um and looking to the future of different ways that you can interact and support people as well. So I want to say a big thank you for all of the work that you do around mental health. Thank
1: you, Mike. And I really would like to reciprocate by saying people who are reading your blog, particularly the the post on world mental health day where you signposted what other organizations are doing, that people are not alone, looking, looking up to someone like you there, you're, you're reaching untold amounts of people who to to inspire them to 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 feel that they are in like-minded company and that there is help and support and inspiration that they can take from and i think that that's great and just keep up the fantastic
0: work oh thank you (laughs) um if people want to find out a little bit more about you or about harley therapy where are the best places for them to go and how can they do that
1: um so harleytherapy.com is probably the 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 best starting point um there's an about us section and and we can be reached on um on the online chat there um and i'm happy to happy to take any questions or um uh, if anyone wants to reach out for anything i'm contactable um through through there
0: awesome thank you so much for your time and for coming on and for inviting me along, um, which was apparently not last week, but a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, it's been really cool to hear about uh, another type of support that people can access and a really high quality um, service that's available to people. And, and just to hear more people talking openly, that was the best thing I found about um, the event of so many people talking openly. It was just amazing. So. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, well, should,
1: should be more to come, so I look forward to seeing you at another one.
0: Awesome stuff. Thank you very much. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you, Mike. Bye-bye
0: Bye. These are not real people. They have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness.
1: She's not a great match for me, and... That's okay.
0: A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can appreciate, yeah.
1: Dad came upstairs, and then I heard them say, like, it's happened, and I was like, what's happened? It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking.
0: I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have had sort of stopped speaking to me because of it
1: and the suicidal thoughts were back.
0: People knew that there
1: was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt
0: like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well, so it sort of started from there. And Then
1: she was like, okay, tell me a bit about what's going on. So I told her everything, and her face
0: dropped.
1: You're not depressed. It's it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most.
0: I mean, this 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 shit is real and it's hard. It's exhausting.
1: So many people think they're alone, and then you hear other people talk about it, and they think, oh, that's you know, that's so brave, or I could relate to that, um, and then they want to talk about it.